Warm, sunshiny days. Opening up a cold one. Snuggles with your new puppy. Ah, these are the glorious moments that make up a life. And on today's show, it's all of those things wrapped into one as we welcome back a dear friend, Mr. Ronnie Moass. Okay, he might not be as snuggly as a puppy, but we like him anyhow, especially because he's always wanting to make a positive difference. Today, you'll hear Ronnie's latest projections for the crypto space, his latest rock and roll findings, and his passion for the new Tour de Crypto project. So, kick off your shoes, put up your feet, and tell the kids to go out and play. Pour yourself a glass of Malbec. This time is you time to continue your journey into the world of badness. It's episode number 181 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, crypto serious, and we are in a hotel room in South San Francisco. Yeah, Mr. Joel Com just put a move on me, and I said, no, Mr. Joel Com, <laughs> hashtag me too. <laughs> okay, I did, I did not <laughs> put any moves on you. I know I'm losing weight getting sexy, Mr. Joel Com. come on. You are pretty irresistible. <laughs> Say no. All right. <laughs> So we are here at the Litecoin event right now. Can, can I just say, you know, it's a good thing that we self-edit in our minds because what I wanted <laughs> to, say, to say something horrible. What I wanted to say <laughs> would have been really horrible, <laughs> and I chose not to. And now you guys are just going to wonder forever what was it <laughs> that Joel was thinking that the filter kicked in. Yeah, so good. I'm glad I have a filter now, too. Whenever I was younger, I didn't have a filter. Now I do. But I don't use it very often. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe it's time to clean that filter, Mr. Travis, right? Yeah, Travis's air filter needs to be changed. We're looking out the window at the South San Francisco Conference Center, where we have been attending the Litecoin Summit. Charlie Lee's Litecoin Foundation is putting on this event and met a lot of really great people. We've met some fans out here. And met a couple horrible people. Yeah. By the time you guys hear this, we will have already left and be home, but we are performing Bad Crypto Live uh, here tomorrow night. And in fact, uh, one guy came up to me and said, oh, I heard that you guys, I, uh, he says he was driving in listening to the previous episode. And then he's like, he saw me. He's like, I can't believe you're standing here. I'm like, me either. I can't, I can't believe it. How, right. how am I not sitting right now? <laughs> how am I standing at this moment? Yeah. We love you fans, man. I tell you what, it's we always do. great. There's, I met so many great people at the, the Coins Bank cruise this past week and ran into people, ran into a dude at a freaking Ibiza nightclub. It's, it's kind of weird that we're starting to, to get notoriety in the in the blockchain space. You just, so and crazy. you ran into Charlie Lee at the Barcelona airport, and you just showed me a funny video. Maybe we can, maybe people can find that on the Instagram or something of yeah. him getting a Coke. Yeah. He, I, I saw him. I was uh, I was walking to my gate, and I look over. I'm like, that looks like Charlie Lee. And he was putting money in a, in a, uh, um, a vending machine. Yeah, a vending machine. And uh, he was popping out his Coca-Cola, and I just took a quick photo. But with Apple, you do those live videos, yeah. or those live photos. And so I, 
It's him never getting the Coke. It's he going. just keeps looping. <laughs> <laughs> he, he never got his Coke, no and he missed Coke his plane. He was waiting for his Coke. Oh, Charlie. But, uh, yeah, he just gave a great speech uh, today here about Litecoin. We're going to interview him on what episode is that? Uh, episode in the future. Episode in the future, number yeah. one. Uh-huh. Well, he's going to be on, on the stage with us tomorrow, and this will be released in a week or two. So uh, we've just got so much content, and as it is, we put so much out. And we don't want to overwhelm you guys too much. We want you to, you know, be able to consume it all. Because consuming bad crypto daily is good for you. It is very good for your health. And also good is that we have show sponsors, and Start Engine has been sponsoring uh, a bunch of shows recently, and you guys should know by now to check out StartEngine.com because they have found a way to allow crowdfunding for ICOs on their platform in a regulated fashion here in the United States, where, you know, allegedly, unless you are a qualified investor, you're not allowed to invest in ICOs. That's true. And that's a bummer. But you can with them. And over 170 companies have raised over $60 million on Start Engine. They've got over 155,000 registered users and a large percentage of companies who do raises on their platform actually reach their minimum funding goal. And, and that's pretty good, too, because you don't do this unless you, you know, hope to raise all the yeah, Almost 90% of the people are hitting their minimum goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you are looking to do an ICO or a, a security token offering, make sure to check in the Start Engine mm-hmm. uh, because they can help you do it right. Lots of different industries, too. Uh, some of the ones listed here, green tech, transportation, apparel, food and beverage, blockchain technology, and more. Go to ico.startengine.com forward slash bad crypto and guess what happens you get 20 percent off on your regular regular regulated ico setup services and you get a free campaign consultation yeah and your your coin is guaranteed to 10x like 10 times <laughs> okay that disclaimer that's not, that's is, not true yeah that's, that's, not is, true. that's not true ico.startengine.com forward slash bad crypto go to start engine for your lambo no? <laughs> Will there be a moon waiting for me there, too? <laughs> Good stuff. Oh, my. We are the Blockchain Blockheads. And uh, today, we're pleased to welcome back Mr. Ronnie Moe. Another Blockhead. Yeah, speaking of Blockheads. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, we uh, after recording this, we just got an email from Ronnie today. Uh, he went on his newsletter, and you're going to want to stick around for after the interview because Ronnie had some crypto stolen from him. And uh, we'll, we'll tell you more about that. But first... The latest from Mr. Ronnie Moas. We surveyed our listeners, and while they told us that one of the things they wanted was for the value of cryptos to go up, the other thing they told us they wanted was Moas. I thought it was less ass. No, they want Moas. Oh. They want Mo Ronnie Moas. Oh, yeah. When do we do yeah. this? When do we do that? <laughs> I just I just did it and I answered. Yeah. Yeah, I did it in my head. Is that a fake poll? Our listeners responded and they said they want more Ronnie Moes. It's uh this is Ronnie's sixth appearance on Bad Crypto. Of course, Ronnie is the chief uh, principal at standpointresearch.com. Ronnie has been calling the uh the, the stock uh, buys and sells predictions for many years. He's one of the most dependable when it comes to people getting it right. And uh, he's also quite a character. He is a bad crypto regular, and he's got a lot to talk about today. Welcome back, Ronnie. 
Uh, thank you for having me. You do know how to pronounce my name, though, right? It's Moas. No, it's Moas. Moas. Us, 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 Oh, there's an R in there. Okay, Morass. Got it. <laughs> He's right. a good sport. So right. we got a lot to talk about today, Ronnie, don't we? This is, yeah, I, I don't even know where to start, but let's just start with the fact that this is the, we're taping today on Labor Day. It's September 3rd. I had People contacted me from all over the world, wanted to interview me today. But I said, the only people that I, that I will give an interview with on Labor Day is Bad Crypto Podcast. Well, we're, we're glad for that. And we're also glad that Travis showed up because he was so enthused that he overslept. That's yeah. true. It's yes. Labor Day. I'm like, who, who works on Labor Day? And apparently yeah. Ronnie Moaz wants to make us work on Labor Day, Mr. Joe Kahn. So <laughs> let's so let's get started. Wait, so, what, so one second, what I was saying is that we were originally supposed to start this, uh, take this on the 20th of August, right? which was Robert Plant's 70th birthday mm-hmm. from, the right. from Led Zeppelin. And you guys got that uh, video I sent you of Greta Van, Greta Van Fleet yesterday, yep. right? Yep. And Robert Plant says that this group reminds him of Led Zeppelin 50 years ago. And then uh, so people want to look up on YouTube, Greta Van Fleet. When the curtain falls, they were on The Tonight Show last week, and it was really amazing to see this group. Three brothers and a drummer. The lead singer is 22 years old, and the two twins on stage with him are 19 years old. Those are his brothers. And uh, then you guys got the video of that Japanese girl who does Led Zeppelin on drums, and she is amazing, and people have to look her up on the Internet as well. Well, they're not going to have to look too far because we're going to embed both of these in the show notes. Um, we know you're a big rock and roll fan, and uh, Zeppelin is awesome. There is no equivalent to Zeppelin today. There just isn't. Yeah, well, I, I've seen two groups that remind me of them in the last 10 years. One of them is from Northern Ireland. The name of that group is The Answer. And the second group that reminds me of Led Zeppelin is Greta Van Fleet, and they're from Michigan. Um, so, uh, I'm really excited to start, uh, looking at their old material. I know I haven't listened to any of their stuff. I just saw that tonight show appearance last week and it knocked my socks off. I've watched it already 15 times mm. in the last three days. Yeah. And, uh, There's a couple of really other good bands that I've noticed, uh, recently. One of them is called airborne airborne is out of Australia. They remind me more of like an ACDC because it's sort of like the Australian rock. Right. And another band is called Wolf Mother, which has right, Wolf Mother. I know Wolf Mother. That was the other one I wanted to tell you about. Uh, they, yeah, had great, really great, they had a great album, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and I just never got around to looking at their other stuff. But Wolf Mother also reminded me of Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah. And all of that has nothing to do with crypto, but this is the Bad Crypto Podcast, and it's all good. So let, let's go ahead and jump into the crypto space. And again, this is Labor Day, so beginning of September, this episode is for number 181. It's going to air in two weeks, so please keep in mind that anything that you're listening to right now could have you know changed dramatically over a two-week period, because sometimes crypto does that. But let's talk about the state of the market, and this year, Ronnie, you're in your Bitcoin uh, uh, predictions. Well, I uh, initiated coverage on Bitcoin July 3rd, 2017. We were at 2,570 at the time. And I put out a $50,000 target for 2020. And nothing in my view has changed. My 2020 target remains the same. 
uh, I had a $28,000 target for the end of 2018, but around six months ago, I pushed that out to the end of next year. Now, uh, we've had quite an impressive rally the last three weeks in 22 days. Bitcoin is up 22%. And a lot of the names in the top 40 are up between 25 and 50% in the last three weeks. So I'm hoping we don't see 6,000 again. We just hit 7,300 today. Yeah, we need to stay away from that. Uh, that Because there were some people who were saying, you know, some of the people who were doing technical analysis who were saying, wow, you know, before we hit that big bump, we could go down as low as 3,000 is what a lot of people in their charts were saying. I was like, no, let's not do that. That would be really sad. That would make me not happy at all. No, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't look much at charts. And uh, the problem I have with the charts is that they are going to scare people out of what may be an opportunity of a lifetime. So you can't jump off the boat every time someone says they got a sell signal because nine times out of 10, they will not tell you when to get back in. Or let me correct that. They will tell you to get back in, but it will be at a higher price than what it was when you sold it. Well, that's because they're looking for signs that it's bullish, right? The better to, for, I think, in the minds of some people who are looking at the charts, um, you want to wait until you see the signals that, okay, yes, it's gone up, but now it's we think it's going to go up more. And so that's a profitable trade. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of the technical analysis unless you're applying a fundamental and subjective overlay on top of that. You don't like the Ichimoku? What is that? Well, it's one of the trader guys that we came on that came onto the show was talking about it. It's one of the signals that they use and to help them determine if it's a uh, if if the trend is moving in the right direction or not. And they said that the Ichimoku line is pretty accurate. You know, nine times out of ten or something they were saying. So well, I don't I know if you were a fan of the Ichi butthole or not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who he is, but but I um, uh, I know a technical indicator that has a one hundred percent accuracy with Bitcoin. In the last 12 years, in the last six years, I'm sorry, 12 times Bitcoin dropped below 20 on the relative strength index. And every time you bought Bitcoin, when it dropped below 20 on the relative strength index, you could have sold it shortly thereafter at 80, 12 times out of 12. Mm. The problem is when you do this, you have to be really careful because if you sell at 80, it could run away from you when you're waiting for it to come back down to 20 again. Hindsight is 2020, but it's 12 for 12 so far. You know what's really interesting? If you look at the Bitcoin chart, of course, we had the huge run up into January and then and it comes down quite a bit and then it went up again and then it came down to about the same place and then it went up a little bit more and back down to around the same place. Then it went, it, It's like it keeps the spikes are fewer and fewer, but the bottom seems to be the same. It's it's so, you know, I'm wondering here, at what point do we go, okay, we've been here at this bottom long enough and it's time to take off? I, I think what people are really underestimating is the fact that every day people come into this arena that are buying and holding Bitcoin for the next few years. And every time someone like that comes in, there is supply being ripped out of the market. So the next time you have a watershed moment or... Uh, a, a run, uh, a, a run in the price of Bitcoin, the spike will be even more impressive than the one that we had in December, January, because you're going to have more people fighting over a, sh a smaller supply. 
And that's something that we can't lose sight of. I want to get your opinion on some of the stuff that's been going on around the SEC and the CFTC. And, you know, now they, they said that the CFTC can rule on crypto as if it's a commodity. The, C, the SEC still says it's a security. The IRS still says it's a property. Has anything changed in your mind by any of these rulings or is anything on your radar around that that's going to maybe change your opinion? I actually pay zero attention to these headlines. I, I have 3,000 subscribers. I work 18 hours a day. And there are some things that I just don't have time to monitor. For me, it's all a lot of noise. I don't think any one country can make or break what I think is going to happen with Bitcoin in the next few years. If the United States you know, cracks down on Bitcoin, then whatever supply hits the market from U.S. investors will be picked up by other countries around the world. That's what I like about Bitcoin. We aren't dependent on any one country to get this where I think it's going in the next few years. There is no way to justify, in my view, that gold should be valued at 60 times where Bitcoin is right now. Well, it's shiny. <laughs> right. So, what, 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 what did you just say? Gold is valued at what? 60 times. 60 times. Yeah. Bitcoin is at 125 billion. Ah, uh, okay. Gold is at 7.5 trillion. And I don't know how much gold there is in the ground. So, how can you value it? At least right. with Bitcoin, we know a few years down the line, there's going to be 100 million people trying to get their hands on a few million Bitcoin. And that is what will drive this towards 50 and $100,000. And they're not in the ground. The files are in the computer. Hmm. Right. Can you imagine when Bitcoin market cap is worth $7.5 trillion? I mean, the, the value of Bitcoin at that time, with, with the market cap being $125 billion right now. It would go to a half a million dollars. It would go. That's crazy. That's huge numbers. Yeah, and, th and that's probably where people like James Altucher and John McAfee are coming up with these million-dollar targets. A million dollars on Bitcoin would put Bitcoin at twice the value of the gold market. And I'm not even going there. Okay. I'm, I'm like, let me first get my 28,000, which is my target for next year. And then let me take, let me hit my target of 50,000 for 2020. And then I will come out with a $100,000 target or, or thereabouts. But I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm not trying to win a competition on the internet of who has the highest price target on Bitcoin. Uh, I'm not. I'm not playing. Well, you you wouldn't win. Bitcoin. You've already lost that. So you know. That's, How, what do you mean? Well, you're you're clearly well, not. Mr. Ronnie Moas doesn't want to lose his job. You're, you're clearly not no, no, giving I, the highest prediction. Yeah. So you've you've I, lost. I, that. I, yeah, I don't. I think it's irresponsible to set price targets like that because then you're 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 kind of trying to push people that don't know what they're doing into taking a bet that they can't afford to lose, and there is no guarantee that we will hit twenty eight thousand. Or fifty thousand, let alone a million. Uh, so this will sink or swim based on headlines, regulations, uh, consumer confidence, and supply and demand. And you know what happens when consumer confidence gets shaken? It could go to zero, right? Just like any other currency, like you have in Venezuela, for example. Uh, there's there's one other coin that I really want to talk about, and that is because you've talked so much about it, and that is DIG, Dignity. Um, you've written about this extensively. You've called out you know predictions for where you think this thing is going, and you are personally deeply invested in this. 
And so, and I know a lot of your your subscribers are as well. So let's take a moment here to talk about what is, uh, we've, we've briefly touched on it, but what is dignity and why have you been so bullish on it? Okay, uh, let me start by saying that I was paid to write a report on this name in July of 2017. It was only the second time in 20 years that I accepted payment uh, to write a report. Why did you? What was was your criteria? It was for their internal use. Okay, it was for their internal use. They didn't and it was a lot, lot of money. money. And so he said, uh, "No, actually, actually, it wasn't <laughs> a lot. Actually, it wasn't a lot of money. Uh, it was. It would have been a few weeks of my time, and I asked for eighty thousand dollars. And they said, "Can we give you forty thousand dollars cash and two million DIG? In other words, half cash, half coin. At the time, it was worth two cents. And I said. I didn't want to have any conflicts of interest. That's why I wanted cash. I write the report. You do what you want with it, and I'm done with you. But they said, look, it's a startup. You know, we're trying to reach agreements with our service providers and, you know, people that are involved where they can take part of the payment in coins. So I said, okay. And I, I so what happened is I told them, I'm going to write the report. It's going to take me a few weeks to write the report. But this report will never see the light of day if you do not deliver on everything that you just promised me. I held on to the report for seven months. I did not release it because I never had the concrete evidence that I needed in order to put my stamp of approval on this report. My reputation took me 20 years to build. I'm not going to lose it in 20 minutes. No amount of money could shake me out of that conviction. There is not one cryptocurrency name that I agreed to work with in the last year. I rejected every single offer that came my way, and I left millions of dollars on the table. Now, on the 8th of February, DIG was trading at two-tenths of a penny, and it jumped to two cents on $500,000 volume. And I said, this might really be happening. And I said, I have two choices right now. I can put this report out to my subscribers and say, I think something is going on here, or I could hold it and keep it to myself. It will never see the light of day. And then I will kick myself for the next 20 years if this ends up going to where I think it's going. So I put the report out on the 8th of February. The price has tripled since then, even though the market lost half its value. And I think there's a very good chance that it's going to go up by four or 500% in the next few weeks. Uh, And I'll explain to you why that is. What they have here is a cryptocurrency that they are saying is going to be backed by gold. One dollar for every coin with gold bullion backing it, okay? And the coin is trading at seven cents right now. They also have, will have by this time next year, 75,000 mining rigs up and running in four facilities spread out across Canada and the United States. So not only do you have a dollar in gold backing each DIG coin, but you're going to have a share of the profits in this massive mining operation. On the 6th of June, I I inspected their 100,000 square foot mining rig facility in Atlanta, Georgia. I was completely blown away by what I saw there. I posted 18 photographs of the mining facility on my Instagram account on the 6th of June. Next month, I'm going to visit their 100,000 square foot mining rig facility outside Toronto, Canada. 
as well. So this is really happening. They've already taken $40 million out of their pocket. The, one of the sen senators invited them to Washington recently. The last name of the senator was Coons, C-O-O-N-S. Uh, I, I forgot what his first name was. Was it Christopher? I don't know. I don't know. Are you there? You're, you're asking us? Yeah, there's, a senator, there's a senator named Coons. I know his last name is C-O-O-N-S. And he invited the Arbitrate and Dignity Board of Directors to Washington. It was the 100th anniversary of the birth of Nelson Mandela. And the reason they invited Arbitrate and Dignity to Washington was because Arbitrate and Dignity bought the golden hands of Nelson Mandela for $10 million. And they had those hands on display at this event in Washington. One more thing, Arbitrate is an exchange that is going to compete with Coinbase and Binance. Arbitrate owns DIG. So there's a connection between DIG and Arbitrate.io, which is the exchange that will be going live in the next few weeks. They've been working on this day and night for the last two years. There's 12 people on their board. Three of them were high-level executives at the, at in Fortune 100 companies like Toys R Us, Forever 21, and Pepsi Cola. They were at the highest level at these company at these companies. There's a lot that I can't say because there are non-disclosure agreements, confidentiality agreements, foreign governments, regulators, auditors, lawyers, and publicly traded companies involved in this operation. And all of the news we investors are expecting will come out in the next couple of weeks. 2,000 of their 3,000 shareholders right now are subscribers of mine. Very cool. So, yeah, we've we've uh, we've seen the conversations around dig. I personally don't have any dig. I know you got some dig, Mr. Joel Com. So it's interesting to me how it's pegged to to uh, gold and silver and whatnot. Um, and we were talking about that a little bit earlier about how gold is, you know, seven point five trillion dollars and whatnot. I that's one thing that always gets me though is like, man, gold should be worth way more than it is. I mean, the the price suppression of gold and silver still just is one of those things that just pisses me off to no end because you know those big banks and the way they control all that paper gold and silver that doesn't even exist and it's in circulation with all the real gold and silver and it's just the price the price has been so suppressed that's why i think like you know get yourself some gold and silver too you know don't just look at crypto eventually i think once the once the market scams get out of the way then i mean the price of gold should be way higher than it is maybe you know Twenty, thirty thousand dollars an ounce, or something. I mean, I know silver should be way higher than it is, instead of like fifteen, seventeen dollars an Travis ounce. Right? Are, are you though. making recommendations? Um, I'm not making recommendations. I mean, you know, pick up some gold and silver. Yeah, it's not a bad idea to have a little changely changely in your pocket. Well, I, I think this was. I think this would be a perfect time to mention that you and Joel are not financial advisors. Wait, we're not. When when did that happen? <laughs> True. We've gone twenty minutes so far. Okay, you haven't not. mentioned it yet. Okay, yeah, we wanted we wanted to make sure uh, so that that's uh, there's a little bit about dig right there. Are there any other tokens that you want to uh, talk about, Ronnie? No, but I want to make clear to people that when they go into DIG right now, everything is going to make or break based on whether this company shows the ten billion dollars in gold that is going to back their family of four tokens. It's not just DIG. There is NAM, ORE, and HNR. 
So if you believe that they are going to deliver on this audit, then the price is going to go up four or 500%. If you think that this is bullshit, then it goes to zero. If you are going to wait until they show you the gold, guess what? You're going to have to pay 30, 40, 50 cents to get in the game. So people that go in now and trust this company are going to get the high reward that you take when there is risk and uncertainty involved. I haven't seen the gold yet. I decided that after 14 months of dealing with these people and never catching any of them in a lie or even in an exaggeration, I've been connecting the dots here for 14 months. I think this is really happening. So yes, I do have a big position in this now. It's actually worth more than what my Bitcoin position is. And I am not a risk taker, okay? So as far as the other uh, coins that I go uh, like, uh, my subscribers get upset when I mention names that I've recommended that they paid for, okay? Uh, I can tell you, I'll just give you a couple of names of mine that I, on the 15th of October, I tried to pick a bottom on the altcoins. As you know, I think you guys are on my uh, uh, mailing list. And uh, I recommended four names when, when the crypto market cap dropped below $200 billion. And uh, I initiated coverage on four names. And each of those are up by between 20 and 50%. Uh, Ripple was one of them. Okay. And uh, I'm writing a 35-page report on that right now. Uh, people say, why didn't you recommend Ripple before? And the reason was when I was looking at it a year ago, everything was running up by two, three, four hundred percent. And that was something that just ran away from me before I had a chance to finish analyzing it. Okay. But now that the market crashed, it gave people an opportunity to buy some of these top 10, top 20 names, 70, 80, 90% off their highs that they didn't want to chase back in January. Yeah, it's wild. Great stuff. So what else is going on in the world of Ronnie Moass? All right, well, well, this is the most important thing we're going to be speaking about today. And I already spoke to Joel about this when you were sleeping at 1230 this While you were sleeping. Right. <laughs> no, it was 11. It was 11.15. The last time I was sleeping at 1230 in the afternoon was like 40 years ago when I was in high school. Yeah, that's great. It is. It's Labor Day. And I was taking it easy, you know. I was right. like four. Yeah. Oh, what's the better four? Yeah, and uh, by the way, I wanted to uh, congratulate uh, Travis. I understand that you were on a diet and you lost what forty pounds already. <laughs> yeah, I lost. Uh, I lost three Ronnie Moaz heads. <laughs> right. Well, uh, congratula- <laughs> congratulations. Uh, it's not easy exactly. to do that, and I, I hope you can uh, keep it off. A lot of people can lose with the intermittent fasting makes it so easy because that's the thing is like, oh, you gain a little bit of weight. Guess what? Stop eating. Yeah, I, I once lost 40 pounds around four years ago, but I gained it back because I got sick and tired of eating the food that caused me to lose the weight, you know? I mean, there's a limit how much lettuce you can eat. Eventually, you get sick of it, and then your body goes back to the weight that it was at. I just stay away from the sugary stuff. You stay away from the sugary stuff and the carb stuff, you're pretty good. Plus, I love shrimp. I'll eat shrimp all day. One of my favorite meals is shrimp and broccoli. Now, are, so you, ready? are you ready for the segue of the day right now? I'm ready what? for the segue of the day for my day. I brought that subject up because it leads into my next topic. And these are two guys that are burning 7,000 calories a day that I'm going to be talking to you about right now. I am the lead sponsor of Tour de Crypto. World CryptoCon just confirmed to me that they will co-sponsor this with me. And they have pledged $100,000 
to this cause. Jason and Jovell are leaving New York on September 14th on bicycle, and they will be riding 4,000 miles to California in the next two months. And their second to last stop will be at the convention that you guys are hosting at the Aria Hotel. Right. That's going to be their final location. They're going to end up uh, getting there at the right time during the yes, conference. Yes, they, they will They're arrive. They're going to be sweaty. I hope they take a shower. Right. They are going to arrive in Las Vegas on the 31st of October. They will stay until the 2nd of November so that I can bring them on stage when I do my presentation. And then they have one more week to finish the trip. They have to go through 29 Palms, San Bernardino, California. And the last stop is November 9th in Huntington Beach. Now, what what jo, what Jason and Jovell are trying to do is raise awareness to convince charities to accept cryptocurrency donations and to convince people to donate cryptocurrency to those charities. And we are trying to raise $1 million in cryptocurrency donations in the next three months for a five-star charity that was established in 1977 and based in Houston, Texas. So that's the Tour de Crypto. It's the first annual Tour de Crypto, 4,000 miles from New York to California. And we are trying to get the charities and investors to accept and donate cryptocurrency. Yeah, we're really looking forward to World Crypticon, and uh, Mr. Travis Wright has met you in person. I have not, and uh, we are going to be hanging out there. At the, we'll be at the poker tournament, yeah? Absolutely. I have another call with World Cryptocon this afternoon. We spoke for a half hour this morning. They're calling me back in about a half hour, and uh, they are giving $25,000 to the riders and their crew. They're, going, they're traveling with a crew of five people that are going to document this. and They have an RV that will be trailing them. So World CryptoCon is giving them $25,000, and they're giving $75,000 in crypto to the charity. And that's a floor. If it's, they're basically giving 5% of the ticket revenues from the conference to this cause. And they're expecting between 2 and $4 million in ticket sales. So the amount of money that's going to the charity will end up being between one and $200,000. Mm. If you guys haven't gotten your tickets yet, then what are you waiting for? WorldCryptocon.co forward slash bad is where you want to go to get your ticket. This is uh, taking place on October 31st through November 2nd at the Aria in, in Las Vegas. And if you weren't going to come just for me and Mr. Travis Wright, now that you know that Ronnie's going to be there, come on. What are you waiting for? And I'm speaking with them again in the next half hour, and I'm going to try to get the three of us at the same table at the poker tournament. Game on. That's great. I do love I do love some poker. There's all kinds of great stuff that's going on at this event. There's the crypto ween, the poker tournament, the pool party, and some other stuff that's going on. I mean, this is gonna be, you know, one of the one of the more fun crypto events out there. I know I've been to I've been to a bunch. I know you've been to a bunch as well, Mr. Ronnie Moaz. Are you going on the Coins Bank cruise in the Mediterranean? Uh no, I decided to pass on that. I was on the Asia cruise in January, as you know. We were there together. Uh, and uh, I just got back from five weeks in Europe, and I'm moving to a new apartment now, so the timing was not that great for me. Mm. And, well, we'll uh, miss you because I will be there. 
Oh, yeah. I know Adam is going to be there from World CryptoCon as well. He'll be oh, there. Okay. We're going to do some interviews with some folks. Yeah, no, but it's Blockchain Week in Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not just going to be that conference. It's going to be a lot of stuff going on there. It's going to be like what we had in New York for Consensus a couple of months ago, where there's going to be a lot of blockchain and crypto-related events taking place uh, that week. Hey, Ronnie, you uh, you did a survey of your subscribers uh, recently, and uh, the ones. Wow, I, I almost wow, I forgot we were supposed to talk. Yeah, about I want that. to talk a little bit about the results you got from uh, from that. There. Okay, so I'll rip through them really quickly. Uh, it was a seventeen question survey to my subscribers. Fifty percent responded, which is an extraordinary amount of people. Uh, usually, people don't respond to surveys. But I had 1,530 people responded. On the first, there were 17 questions. I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, one thing on, on question number one, which, which I think you have a printout of, what caught my attention is that more than half of my subscribers wanted me to integrate artificial intelligence into my stock selection process. And that is what I plan on doing going forward. I have a partner who spent millions of dollars and many years of his time developing an artificial intelligence system. He runs 15,000 names through there every day, and only eight names pop out. He then puts a trade on each of those eight names, stop losses of 5% on each name, and then he rides the winners. And what he makes on the winners more than offsets what he loses on the names that he gets stopped out at. And I was surprised so many of my subscribers even knew what this was. Uh, 1,530 people filled out the survey, and uh, 98% of the people answered all 17 questions. Uh, This is some good information for your uh, subscribers. Uh, The second question, I asked what their favorite name in the top 50 was that they have a high level of confidence in that they would like me to write a report on. And I only gave them 10 names to choose from, and none of them were on my open list of recommendations at the time. And Ripple and Neo uh, got the most amount of votes. Uh, Each of those names got more than 200 votes, Neo and Ripple. Uh, The third question, I was very surprised. Only 4% of my 3,000 subscribers are over age 60. That was surprising to me. And I was also surprised that only 4% of my 3,000 subscribers are women. So it is true. 95% of the people in crypto are male. And only 5% or less is female. And I'm still trying to figure out why that was. When Bitcoin was crashing recently, I figured out that maybe it's because they are smarter than we are. You know, you know, I think there's there's a lot to that because women are in a lot of households, right? They're the ones that hold the purse strings. They're the ones that make the final decision on a lot of, uh, you know, the purchasing decisions. And we've actually seen, you know, numbers higher than that. That's just the numbers that are on your particular, you know, list. But, you know, I think the numbers are growing upwards of 20% now. And, you know, as the market becomes a little more, easy to to use because really mass adoption is not going to hit until it becomes easier to use it's not easy to use yet right it's still pretty difficult and uh once it gets once it gets to that to that user interface and and user experience that it's a lot more simpler 
the masses are going to pour in and, and it, it just takes a little while. I think, you know, I, I know that I personally, like, I like technical cool stuff, you know, I know. And so I dive into this type of things and I, I think it's, it's always interesting to try to, you know, be on that bleeding edge sometimes where some people don't, but um, hopefully that the, the numbers keep growing over time. Was there any other interesting finds that you had on your survey? Absolutely. It'll take me a couple of minutes to go through this. Question number five, I asked people of the 19 open recommendations right now that I have outstanding in crypto, which names are they in? And obviously everyone is in Bitcoin and Ethereum, but the name that came in as being the most widely held of my recommendations after Bitcoin and Ethereum was DIG, and then another name that I have not mentioned to you today, which is Binance. I recommended Binance a few months back. It was number 42 at the time on CoinMarketCap, and now it's number 16. And uh, my subscribers you know, jumped on that one when they saw the 35-page report I wrote on it. I think if I'm not mistaken, Binance is now more profitable than the NASDAQ, correct? And the valuation is only like a billion dollars. And they've only been at it eight months or so. It's, it's pretty amazing. Let's jump up to question eight, uh, people's public sentiment on what their concerns are regarding the crypto market. And manipulation came in as the uh, the biggest response. And uh, actually, that was a three-way title. Um, manipulation, loss of confidence, and not concerned are all kind of in the, in the same ballpark. Right. Um, and people right. are not concerned about regulation all that much. But this this leads into the next question about what do people think will be the watershed moment that you discuss that will drive Bitcoin back towards 20000 And uh, the biggest answer was foreign governments adding Bitcoin to their reserves and wealth, fund, wealth funds. Yes, that was the, that got 43%. Uh, uh, people said that that was what they think the watershed moment was. But, you know, the first and second options were not that far behind. Uh, one was ETF, and then the second uh, choice was a user-friendly solution to custody and storage, which you just touched on a minute ago. So we talked a little earlier about your Bitcoin target price, and uh, for the end of 2019, you said it's 28000 But you asked your um, your subscribers what their Bitcoin price target was for the end of 2019, and uh, these are interesting. You want to talk about this? Yes. And, and by the way, uh, more than half of my subscribers do not live in the United States, which is an interesting uh, data point. Uh, and then the last question that I wanted to touch on from the survey is what you just asked me about. I asked people what their target was for the end of night 2019. And remember, these are followers of mine, so you can understand that they will be bullish and they will be more or less on the same page as I am because I've been hammering away at this for the last year. Half of my subscribers believe that Bitcoin will be above 20,000 by the end of next year. And only 3% think it will be below 5,000. That's a 17 to 1 ratio of bulls to bears. And I thought that was fascinating, actually. Another thing that I found was fascinating whenever, you know, here on the Twitter is you and I will go back and forth occasionally. And um, Philip Nunn had put out a uh, uh, some numbers around the amount of transactions per day in the crypto space. And then you called him out and kind of corrected some of those because originally I think it said that it was like in 2014, it was like $15 million a day in crypto. 
um, you know, spend and then 42 million in 2015. And then it went up to like 200 million. And then it went up to 2.2 billion. And then it went to 18 point something billion. But you corrected some of those numbers. You want to maybe talk about like how much is actually being spent per day right now in crypto? And then where do you foresee that in 2019 and 2020? Because to me, that seems like a train that is just unstoppable. The amount of growth that's happening, you know, you're talking 5x and 10x growth of numbers per year, year over year. That's huge. Yeah, well, Phil is a friend of mine, and I wasn't calling him out. I think the numbers that he gave you may have been accurate, but he he used a different point of reference than I did. He may have looked at what the highest volume day was of the year in each of those years, or what the trading was on that particular day each of the last five years, where I took an average, what the average daily volume was for each of those months. So I eliminated the outliers and the numbers that could have skewed the figures that he posted. Uh, but yes, the, the, the growth has been exponential. And I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon because we still haven't even gotten 1% penetration yet. If you look at what the number of wallets are relative to the world population, we haven't hit 1% yet. So this can go on for a few more years, and that will get us to the six-figure mark that I'm looking for in the next three to five years. Uh, so Ronnie, do you prefer your M&Ms with or without peanuts? I would say... When I go to the hotel room and I have those two options in the in the mini bar, fifty percent of the time I take the ones with the peanuts, and fifty percent of the time I take the ones without the peanuts. Now, now please tell me that is such a bullshit, non-committal <laughs> answer, there, Mister. Why, why did you fifty-one percent peanuts? Why did you even ask? Well, me that people question? want to know. I just think it's important. And do you like green M and M's specifically? <laughs> Well, actually, I had a relationship with the guys from Van Halen. And when they, when they put in their contract writer that the green M&Ms had to be removed from the bowl, they would send that. That's them. perfect. By the way, you know, that that is not a urban legend that I, well, I think it was the brown M&Ms, right, that was in their writer that they had to be removed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at, at first glance, people would think, oh, what prima donnas, you know, that's just crazy. No brown M&Ms. But it was actually really brilliant because what they were doing was looking for the uh, the attention to detail. And they're like, okay, if the people who are hosting us um, are paying attention to our writer and make sure that there's no brown M&Ms, we can feel confident that they're paying attention to everything else we've requested. Joe, 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 you just hit the nail on the head. I worked for one of the biggest concert promoters in the world when I lived in Israel. He brought everyone there from Michael Jackson to Madonna, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, the Rolling Stones, everybody went through our office. And we the craziest demand that we ever got was from Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses. They did a concert in 1993 in, in, a, in a park in Tel Aviv. This isn't Madison Square Garden where there's a locker room and a dresser room. It's, a, it, it's in a park. And he basically wanted carpets and sofas and plants and vases with flowers. He, he, and, and, and when he came to Israel and he did the press conference, they said a lot of people have come to Israel and nobody has made these kind of demands on the promoter. And then Axel said something brilliant. He says, listen, I'm not trying to be difficult, but if I'm on the road eight or nine months out of the year and my dressing room looks different in every city that I perform in, I will get homesick. 
So every place that I perform, I want the dressing room to look the same way. And that made a lot of sense to me. And what you said is 100% true. The M&M thing is they can see in two seconds whether the promoter paid attention to the details that are in the contract writer. Because if you can't trust them to take brown M&Ms out of the M&M bowl, how are you going to trust them to deal with security and lighting and the sound system? That is so uh, correct. Specific. Yay! <laughs> uh, it's so yeah, true. Specific, right on. Specifications. That was my lesson. That is, yeah. that is true. So any other rock and roll stories or any other crypto magical things that we should chat about I, before I, uh, we wind this thing down? I could give you I could give you dozens of stories. One of them was Metallica. What happened is six weeks after Guns N' Roses came to Israel in 1993, Metallica was scheduled to come to Israel. And Guns N' Roses gave us this long list of demands of things that they wanted. And 45,000 people showed up for the show, and it was not a good concert. Okay. In contrast to the one that they gave recently in Israel, which was unbelievable. They played for three and a half hours. They ended their European tour in Tel Aviv recently. But what happened is the ticket prices for Guns N' Roses were high, and their show was a disappointment, the one that they played in 1993. So even though everyone that went to the Guns N' Roses concert should have showed up at the Metallica concert six weeks later, only two-thirds of those people showed up because they didn't want to get screwed again and pay a lot of money for a ticket only to be disappointed. Metallica ended up playing one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen in my life in Tel Aviv six weeks after Guns N' Roses was there. It was a three-hour show, and I've been to hundreds of concerts, and that might have been one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. And what was amazing is that in their contract writer, they did not request anything. The only thing that they requested from us is that there would be 15 kids waiting for them in their dressing room before the show because they wanted to give their fans a chance to meet them in person. And I thought that was really nice. That is great. I saw the uh, Guns N' Roses Metallica tour in 1991 in Arrowhead Stadium, and that was amazing because metallica i think then they had like body count or something which was um ice t's rock rap group which was horrible and then metallica comes out performs for two hours then they have like an hour in between when they change the set and then guns and roses came on and it was unbelievable but what was so crazy was between the two sets between metallica and guns and roses the camera crew was going around and like showing people and whatnot and I kid you not, I kid you not, about 150 women flashed their breasts uh, on the Jumbotron. And and then one actually like bent over and flashed. And I have, I have never seen those, that many boobs in one place ever. Yeah, I, I, so they were, because they were on the Jumbotron, they were, they were even bigger. Jumbo, so Jumbo size. I, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen Guns N' Roses seven times already. I, I saw them in Brazil. I saw them twice in Las Vegas, twice in Israel. And three times in Miami, their show is amazing. They played for three hours, and uh, their newest show, their latest show, they did. I saw that a couple of years ago. That was really. I mean, they played for like three hours, and it sounded like Axl Rose was like the old Axl Rose. He didn't sound like that overweight, fat Axl Rose from like five, ten years previous. He literally sounded good. He was running around. He seemed like it was the '90s again. It was really good. You know, you have to. You know, what you have to do. You have to go on YouTube and watch the show that he did two years ago. 
he went on tour with ACDC and he replaced Brian Johnson, who had to retire because of hearing problems. And he did a world tour with ACDC. And a lot of people don't know that, but it was amazing. He played for two hours and 20 minutes and he did not miss a note. He was singing songs that Brian Johnson could sing in the studio, but was not able to do live. And it was like he it was a, a it was like he breathed new air into ACDC when they went on that tour two years. I bet that was an amazing show. Yeah, it was. Talking yeah. rock and roll rock and rock. with Ronnie Moaz. Yeah, it's the Bad Rock Podcast. Uh, we've heard Ronnie's Bitcoin predictions, the links in the show notes for the Tour to Crypto and World Crypticon. And uh, Ronnie, as always, a pleasure to have you back here on the show. And this is episode 181. So the show notes are at badco.in forward slash 181. And uh, any final thoughts, Mr. Ronnie? No, I just want you guys to figure out what we need to do and how much royalties we have to pay to put some rock and roll tunes on your podcast next time I'm on. I want to be a DJ for a couple of minutes or an hour. Well, then Spotify my, doesn't my allow dream, you to be on the, the yeah to be in there. Yeah. You can just jam them out. You can just sing. We can actually put them in the show notes. You can pick a song and they'll be on the show. Oh, notes. like my, uh, let yeah. me ask you this: one final question: What will the price of Bitcoin be the next time we have you on Back Crypto? That's a stupid question because I don't know when you're bringing me on next time. <laughs> That's great. Thank you for that. All right. And on that note, uh, stay bad. All right. <laughs> Always a pleasure to have Mr. Ronnie Moes. That was the sixth time, right? Six times. Six times he's been on the show. He's like an official third member now at this point. Yeah, we we like Ronnie. Ronnie's insightful and uh, just like bad cryptos, not for everybody, only the cool people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ronnie's not everybody's cup of tea, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, he's he's a cop. He's like one of my favorite liberals. Yeah. Ronnie's, Ronnie's uh, he's he's a lot of fun, and he, he, he thinks differently, and he makes these jokes that are – delivered in a way that nobody else would mm-hmm. and he thinks they're hysterical he does and that's what even makes them funnier <laughs> <laughs> great dude but he actually sent out a an email today that that he had some crypto stolen so i don't know if you guys are part of his email list or not but he had a he has a warning there that uh, regarding his trezor and a lesson learned from his account being hacked uh, you must read this or no one to blame but yourself if something similar happens to you and we, we got him back on the phone here. Uh, one of the reasons I, 51 years old, have never been married and never had children is because I do not trust anyone. And that is not, not even not even his own kids. Yeah, because he has no kids. <laughs> that is not a world I want to bring children into. I prefer to do charity and philanthropic work and use my time, money, and energy to help kids who are poor and that have no parents. WWW Philanthrop. Philanthropy and Philosophy. Are you going to read the com. whole thing? Yeah. Well, this morning he had some issues where someone had hacked into his, one of his crypto accounts on my Ether wallet and removed $31,400 worth of dig. But they didn't hack. It wasn't a hack. He had it stolen. He had it stolen. Yeah, so he had some kid, a 19-year-old kid from Venezuela, help him move some cryptocurrencies around. Uh, and I guess he needed some technical support with yep, some stuff. He needed some technical support, and there was an update on Trezor. He didn't want to. He didn't want to do it on his own, so he trusted this kid. And then while he pulled up his password on his computer, the kid took a picture mm-hmm. of his Word doc with his passwords mm-hmm. on it, 
and then logged into it later on and liquidated $31,000 out of his account. Yeah, of, of Dig. He stole $31,400 of Dig from him. And Ronnie at the time wasn't suspicious. He was taking a picture. He figured the kid was just texting because he didn't hear the, you know, yeah. camera. That would have immediately, but what are you taking a picture of? Right. right. Well, you can take, you can turn that off on any camera. Right. And so he did. Uh, but, you know, what happened is Ronnie figured that out and he called the kid and he threatened him. He says, I'm calling the police. And like the kid sent back the money in Bitcoin to his Coinbase account. To his Coinbase yeah. account. So, so he, he didn't call the police anyways and showed them the paper trail and showed them the money going into his Coinbase account and out of his uh, My Ether Wallet account and the cell phone trail and then his apology via text and all this other stuff. And so, yeah. Uh, that he can be thrown in jail because that is grand theft. Do not steal people's cryptos. Don't steal cryptos. It's not worth it. And don't trust you. people who you necessarily who you necessarily don't know all that yeah. well. Well, or be like Ronnie and don't trust anybody at all. And then he trusted this nineteen-year-old kid from Venezuela, and they yeah. hosed him. So now he has more trust issues. Ronnie, come on. Well, we're glad you got your crypto back, Ronnie, and, and we are uh, glad that you're a friend of the show. Thanks for joining us here again, Mr. Ronnie Moas. Yes. Thank you. It was it was my pleasure to be on the show for the sixth time. I believe that is a record. No one has been on Bad Crypto more than Mr. Ronnie Moas. Well, well, I have, Ronnie. Well, that's true, and Travis as well. But Mr. Joe Com, I like you way better than that Travis Wright guy. I know. He's a seedy character, isn't he? Uh, he's kind of a douche. <laughs> but you guys are the listeners of... The Bad Crypto Podcast, the citizens of the Republic of the Bad, of the of Bad Cryptopia are the best peoples in the world. We really appreciate you guys. Of course, you can uh, show us a little more love if you uh, feel so inclined by subscribing and going to iTunes or wherever you find this podcast and taking a moment to review. It really makes a difference. The algorithms that decide which shows they're going to show to people when they search for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency are very dependent upon your review. So if you got a minute to go give us a review, we would appreciate that. And Ronnie, why don't you take us out of here? Uh, again, this is Ronnie Moas. I just want to say, vote Trump 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and stay bad. <laughs> The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. <laughs> I'm going to keep rolling this until you're done laughing at yourself. That's funny. That's going to piss him off. <laughs>